0: Well, hello and welcome along to the London Coronavirus Podcast, a daily podcast uh, just trying to guide you through really these turbulent times as we're all trying to figure it out individually and collectively. Uh, We'll be talking about London, of course. We'll be talking about the latest reaction to how things developed in London, the UK and beyond. Uh, We talked about the importance of communication. I had a very evocative email that I received from my dentist. Uh, We had a pretty shocking coronavirus confession from Mr. James Ware. We also had a, a very, very informative update from Argentina and Latin America from uh, a journalist I know on the ground there. Uh, we talked about coronavirus kindness. We had a great little new section, hopefully that will that will kick off uh, living the quarantine dream, uh, which is very good indeed. And of course, some advice on how to stay fit and healthy from. Uh, my friend Freddie, who's based out in Argentina and just talking about how when we're cooped up indoors as so many of us are these days in this pretty surreal time we're living. How to stay fit, how to stay healthy uh, and, and plenty more besides. I was joined, of course, by Mr. James Ware, who lives just a couple of uh, couple of boroughs up the river from me in southwest London. James, mate, podcast number two in the bank. We're up and running.
1: We are indeed. Well, we might not actually be out running because that's probably going to be an activity that we can't do soon (laughs) anyway. But I particularly enjoyed hearing today, Dave, about in our new feature, Living the Quarren Dream, how people are turning being stuck in their own homes into less of a fight, more of a delight.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, mate. Uh, Yeah, we're going to keep on doing this podcast daily. Uh, Bear with us as we... As we try and find the tone, try and find the balance, and uh, yeah, James, I don't know, mate. This is this is moving so quickly every 24 hours. As a, there's something different to react to, the severity of it all is just starting to sink in, and it's just trying to find that balance, James, between clearly what is a well once in a century kind of event, and also trying to see the positives and the light-hearted nature and things as well. Absolutely, and the weirdest thing about it since we started doing
1: this yesterday is the feeling that like rather than sort of coming quite late, to this, it, it feels scarily like we're quite early, doesn't it, with the way the time frame of this and our understanding that is really changing all the time, which is something we touched on today as well.
0: Yeah, it's fast moving, no doubt. So um, listen, guys, enjoy the podcast. and so where i just wanted to start this podcast today with actually how my day started and it started with an email that i got first thing in the morning and it, i found the email to be really really like genuinely uplifting but it was actually from my dentist but it was
1: it was <laughs> all just, for people to come to the rescue in these dark yeah, times no, it was
0: just it was just this email that was presented with such kind of a such kind of positive clarity they said look this is what the situation is this is what we're going to do. These are our opening hours. These are the hygiene measures. And it just struck me that that kind of that kind of level of communication, that real positive practicality, logic, uh, is is just so valuable at this time more than more than any other maybe. And it just it made me think about all the positivity that I've seen in London over the course of the last. I know it feels longer than a week because uh, things move so, Things have moved so quickly. But uh, over the last week, I've just seen so much positivity, mate, in this city. And. Um, you know, I think. Uh, well, I'm am a sports journalist. Obviously, you know that, James. That's actually how we met back in uh, back in 2012. Now, mate, at the Olympics. So, indeed, a while, a while back now. And I'm I'm a sports journalist, and obviously, the coronavirus has uh, completely uh, put my income and <laughs> my future plans, career-wise, to absolute zero. Right, and there's there's many many other people in my, in my situation across different industries, but some of the some of the positivity and some of the messages that people have sent me over the last week, like, I will never forget that. And honestly, I don't want to go too too heavy too early, but really, like, I think what people do in the next few weeks and months will in some ways, like, define who they are. And uh, yeah, some of the messages i received, just just one line WhatsApp message, just check it in say, look, uh, you know, crap, all the football's been cancelled, hope you're right, mate. Honestly, it makes such a big difference, but it made me think, oh, like, I maybe you know, everyone's so wrapped up in their own worlds. And it made me think, oh, God. And I went down my WhatsApp list and I was amazed at like thinking, oh, th- you know, that girl works in aviation, that guy works in the tourism industry, like all these people that the creatives like we know a lot of people, uh, music and, and sports journalists and other stuff like that in London who've just lost their jobs. And there are like no one's going to starve, hopefully like and, you know, things will be OK and things will get better. But at the same time, this is a really difficult time, and I just like any kind of positivity uh, is is so uh, is so good. And and you know that email from my dentist, it might have bought them ten years of my loyalty wear. You know, <laughs> it was it was fantastic. It was a, it was a great email.
1: You're gonna be on retainer. I mean, this has been a week for all of us where. At this stage, I think people would believe anything. It already feels like we've really seen it all, even though it's increasingly feeling like this is only just the beginning. But now that somebody's entire day has been made by an email from their (laughs) dentist, I feel like I really have seen it all this week. It's like the full inversion (laughs) of the world order. But yeah, I completely feel your point about how much it, feels like defining time for people you know and like how we react to this all in our own small ways is going to make a huge difference to us to those around us and to like how we're going to come out the other side and I think on your positivity point something that's really affected me just going out and about increasingly less so around London has been sort of really feeling that like when people have those small interactions that we're so used to, they're 10 a penny every day when you live in a mega metropolis like London. But when people have those little interactions with a barista or someone they're going go in front of them in a in a space, it feels like what they're saying they really mean. What yeah. They're not just saying it, you know, like people saying to each other, take care or stay well or have a good day. I hope you're okay. You know, these are all social pleasantries and we're probably right up there near the top of the world league leaderboard when it comes to the nicety Olympics here in the UK. Right. (laughs) But I really feel a difference that people actually seem to really mean those things when they say them. And on that topic too, something that's occurred to me in terms of the way that what we're doing, we start to realise how defining that is, is I'm someone who's grown up in the same broader part of London I now live. I only live two tube stops from my parents and the house I grew up in. And so not many I'm, tube
0: stops for me as well, Where just a few not, down, down the road. Not too many. A safe distance, even in these social
1: distancing times. I think I said two cheap slots. I might have to up sticks while I still can. Um, But yeah, I'm someone who, because I've lived in that area of London my whole life, I think it really matters to me to feel a sense of locality within the big city as much as I'm a big city person too. But I think something that's really hit me this week, and I'd be interested by your thoughts on this, is quite how important it is, given that at the moment it looks like lots of the small local businesses are very likely to be shut down any day now if they're restaurants, cafes, whatever along those lines. It's really made me hyper focus upon the last money that I could go out and spend just in public or on things like a coffee, like choosing businesses that I care about to spend that money on. You know, it's saying that people spoke about the past couple of years in a more abstract sense, like we should be putting our money into local businesses and not putting so much money into these big global conglomerates. and. I see that. But, you know, I also occasionally enjoy the product of a global conglomerate. But this (laughs) has really, really focused my mind on, on the importance of that because it's just brought it into such stark contrast that realistically, lots of these people's businesses might not survive. And look, me going and buying a couple of coffees over the next couple of days while I still can is not going to be, sadly, what's going to be able to save businesses like that. But I think if across London and more broadly, people are having a similar experience to that, I think it's really going to change our sort of spending habits No I completely forward.
0: agree like we can't just buy we can't just spend money and just expect the good times to just to keep rolling I think which is what we've done for like two generations now and I think mm. this might be a great wake up call in that sense and yeah you're absolutely right I mean I hear in the background or somewhere, I hear this must support local businesses prior to the coronavirus outbreak. And it never sunk in. I'll be completely honest with you. Where it never, ever mm. sunk into me, really. I'd still, you know, if I'm walking past the pret, because you, you can't not walk past the Pratt, basically, in London. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was, it's, it's, uh, I'd just go into pret and I wouldn't even think about it. So, yeah, the, like the local business and pe- some people have, you know, put their whole, put, might put 10 years of money and time and energy into building up a local brand, right? And that's how long it takes, like sometimes in places. And that has just been eradicated in a week. And I'm not saying it will never come back, because you know I'm sure and I hope it will. But some people, this is like their dream to start their local business, and they they've put years, if you know, might have been thinking about it for a decade and have done it. And now you know, I mean, I know the government. Uh, Yesterday and today, uh, Ware talked about stepping in and helping businesses, big and small, but uh, it's very unpredictable times for for an awful lot of people in this country. So yeah, any kind of positivity, be it from the dentist or otherwise, uh, is uh, well received.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yesterday, one of the major things that we were discussing was us both trying to navigate like everyone is right now, the severity of what's happening. And at one point, we were saying the ways in which it really does feel like the only thing close to an experience of something like living through a world war must have been. But we were both being very cautious with that, I think, Dave. I certainly was. And I I, I think we were right to do that, right? We We want to be respectful of the differences and what was going on. But interestingly, since we spoke about that yesterday, a real legend of... The wartime in London has come forward to say that actually the comparison to the Blitz fits. This is none other than Dame Vera Lynn, the famous singer, cheerleader for the forces during World War II. And Dame Vera has certainly got enough experience to chip in with her opinion on this. She set to turn the ripe old age of 103 years old on Friday. And she's still got it in her. And you've got to admire that in terms of people trying to do their little positive bit, haven't you? She's still got it in her to have come forward and made a statement to try and stir up some solidarity and togetherness in these tough times. She said, in these uncertain times, I'm taken back to my time during World War Two, when we all pulled together and looked after each other. It is this spirit that we all need to find again to weather the storm of the coronavirus. It's important to remain positive, keep calm, and follow the sensible advice provided by the government at this difficult time. So there you go. Two people you never thought would be mentioned in the same sentence. Dame Vera Lynn and your dentist (laughs) coming to the rescues of our day. But also, yeah, putting into perspective that even people who have lived through all of these experiences, amazingly, I mean, the amount you can- Saying that this does merit a comparison with that. And and we need to- For what we're up to fight against.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important. Uh, Where, and I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you put it really nice. It's a great starting point, I think, for the uh, for the podcast today. Just that that positivity from all angles. Uh, should we go on to? We've got a segment now called Coronavirus Confessions.
1: Yeah, we do indeed. And the person entering the confession booth today. This will
0: be, I should say, where that this coronavirus coronavirus confessions uh, segment will be open to anyone that wants to send in a WhatsApp to us. If you know me or or James Ware personally, please do that, and we'll open it up on on Twitter. Uh, but today, to kick us off, to open things up uh, in the in the booth of sin is James Ware. So coronavirus confessions, uh, yeah, take it away, Ware.
1: Yeah, here I come seeking some podcast penance. So <laughs> <laughs> the backstory to this is we were saying yesterday that we're all trying to respect everyone's different reactions to this insane time to be alive, right? But that being said, I think one of the reactions I've had less time for has really been stockpiling. It seems, especially the early stages of it, maybe it's more relevant now, but the early stages of it seem to be born out of Blind panic, like people stockpiling loo roll and all of those things, when that doesn't really seem like it's going to be necessary or helpful, right? So it was a practice that I didn't want to condone myself. But like many such moral debates, when you're not doing the theory exam, but you're doing the practical exam in the hard knock school of life, very quickly I, I came to realize that as much as I might not condone stockpiling, there were The front runners in the stockpiling pack getting very much ahead of me and they were saying a mean pace. And it was (laughs) kind of, if you can't beat them, join them or I was very much going to be... This is in the
0: supermarket, is it? The supermarket this morning where?
1: Absolutely. Facing up to having no food. So yeah, I woke up this morning, Dave, and was like, I I have work online at eight because I'm lucky enough to be able to work online at the moment because I'm doing a lot of online tutoring like one-on-one teaching for the time being so i'm lucky that there's still some work in that i've been able to go online for that so i have that class at eight o'clock and i was like right i may as well get up and be at the supermarket just after opening time because we're hearing that that's the only time you can get proper supplies so i get up at seven fifteen, and i really felt something i had not really felt before this kind of primal hunter-gatherer instinct coursing through my veins. So I had no early morning fatigue. I, I was I was really pumping. I felt like I was doing some kind of adrenaline-seeking activity, not just going for a bit of shopping. It was like bungee shopping. So I get into the shop and immediately am I'm somewhat confused because there are no baskets or trolleys. And then it dawns around me that walking into this giant cathedral to groceries that is this big Sainsbury's down the road from me, that the shop is already so full 15 minutes after opening time that you can't get a trolley or basket. They're all in use. It's all baskets to the till. So I go around, I'm tempted to give up, kind of go out of the supermarket, realise nothing else is gonna do. So have to let go of my stockpiling morals and get amongst it. And I pile around, got very lucky bumping into a man wheeling a trolley. One of the guys working in Sainsbury's wheeling a new stock of eggs. And those are one of the things this week that I'm surprised egg dealers aren't existing on street corners right now. They're in such short supply. So I I start taking some eggs off his thing and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're limiting these to a maximum of three per customer as I'm going in for like pack of 10 eggs number four playing stockpiling catch-up in this game of Supermarket Sweep. And so I I give him that back. I'm like, fair enough, I'm I'm late to the stockpiling party. I didn't (laughs) realise the rules of this particular party game. Go round. To my amazement, I turn another corner and discover some dry pasta still there, untouched, kind of glistening, like a holy shrine to food past. So I take a few packs of pasta. I get to the till... And I start scanning these things, and when I scan two packs of pasta on the self-checkout tills to enforce for rationing, and I think this is a great move to try and just keep things under control and supplies ticking over, they've actually programmed the self-checkout tills oh, and mazebries and a few other supermarkets to go, uh-uh, you are not getting any more of that one. So I'd have my two packs of pasta, even though the other two were technically different kinds of pasta. <laughs> That wasn't the, counting. They weren't going to let me tell my linguine from my fusilli. They weren't going to
0: let me
1: pick that's, past fa- the bones.
0: that's fantastic. I love that they programmed it in like that. Uh, they should. They should have like a the, an alarm should go off where if you try and check like three things at <laughs> past a huge alarm so people are and maybe a spotlight comes down on people so it's just named and shamed and humiliated and, and uh, well, I mean, what have you learned from you? First of all, thanks a lot for being very open and honest with your coronavirus confession because it's not easy. And like you know that this is. The Coronavirus Confession Corner is a place of no judgment. But what uh, what have you taken away from it?
1: Well, <laughs> what I took away from it, Dave, was was one, how like this crazy thing does rub off on you. Because mm. wh- when I wasn't allowed to take these, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm tempted to put the other two through as a transaction next. Actually, a supermarket person came over, stopped me before the hole in the floor opened to swallow me up. And then weirdly enough, They were walking away with these pastas and a man on the end was like, oh, it's that pasta. I'll have some of that if it's going. Took it. Um, The weird enough twist is I know this man. And so he was someone I hadn't seen in two years. And so in a moment of stockpiling solidarity, he bought the pastas and then gave them to me on my way out. So (laughs) through a loophole, I was in possession (laughs) of four pastas leaving the supermarket and I am now... Hiding these subterfuge pastas, kind overboard. of outsourcing
0: outsourcing your pastor needs to other people. Very good. Where well, that was um that was spectacular. Actually, I was I haven't genuinely haven't heard that before. This first time I've heard it, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was good stuff. We're hoping for more coronavirus confessions from from anyone that sends in a little WhatsApp voice note to us. Uh, very good. Where. Next up mate let's let's we're going to try every day to give some genuine practical advice to people mm. out there. As everyone now we talked about it a lot in in yesterday's first episode of this podcast. Uh, you know a lot of people are cooped up indoors and for every fantastic video of people singing on the balcony there's also going to be an awful lot of boredom and uh, and there's going to be an awful lot of bad health as well which is something that I don't think people have properly considered if if we are in a state of lockdown for a month or two which which feels inevitable at this point. Um, so, and we've got a little segment here from uh, a friend of mine, and uh, he's called Freddie. He's he'll introduce himself, and Freddy's just he's a personal trainer, and he's he's a really good guy. Freddie, gentle giant, top top pro, really really knows and cares about his profession. Uh, he's a he's a fitness trainer, a personal trainer. Uh, he's like I say, he owns his own gym in in uh, or he runs his own gym, I should say, in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And Freddie delivers a couple of messages on practical things you can do to stay healthy if we are and you are cooped up inside
2: hey guys and uh, hey David thanks for inviting me onto the show um, my name is Freddie I'm a personal trainer uh, from London but I live in Buenos Aires and uh, me and David were, were training together for a while before he went back to England um, and we're in a similar situation over here we're, we're all in uh, quarantine and still working online and just been trying to give some tips to people who are currently locked up in their houses but uh, wanting to continue with the kind of healthy lifestyle as much as possible so i put together main tips that have helped me and um, a few other people i know uh, during this time which could obviously go on for a while you don't need to leave your house to do this i think maybe some people are able to go for a run or a long bike ride or go for long walks but if that's not possible then there are so many things you can do at home and you don't need that much time. I think there are a lot of videos online um, from various different personal trainers. You just type in YouTube, uh, 15 minute, 20 minute HIT uh, workout. Um, HIT is high intensity interval training and a lot of this can be done body weight. So it doesn't matter if you don't have weights at home um, and you only really need 15, 20 minutes uh, a day to stay in shape or to at least maintain the shape that you're in and not, not get any further out of shape. So I definitely recommend uh, that as uh, one of my one of my tips. Just uh, using the online resources or, or there are a lot of personal trainers such as myself offering a kind of online group classes and things like that if you prefer to be in direct uh, live contact with with a trainer. So you've got options but bear in mind all you need is 15-20 minutes. So there's no excuse not to do that while you're locked up at home. YouTube is your friend. And then the third tip I would say is just to... Keep your keep your routine as similar as possible. So I think now that we're not getting to the office, people aren't having to get up for work early, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., get to the office in time, make rush hour. I think try and keep your wake-up time the same. Um, I myself don't have to get up as early. My My morning classes have gone but I'm setting my alarm for seven anyway, um, just to kind of keep that routine um, of you know, going to bed early, getting up early, because you don't want to get out of um, good habits for when the quarantine ends, and then it's going to be hard to go back to those healthy habits. And I just think kind of keeping your your daily schedule as similar as possible to how it was before the quarantine is uh, is really gonna help you kind of stay sane. Um, just as, as important as, as it is to look after the body during this time, we need to look after the mind. So try and avoid too much time on social media, um, use the time to read a book, uh, call your friends, um, not to talk about uh, the virus, uh, call them to talk about other things, just to take your mind off for it for a while. Um, so yeah, so it's keeping your mind, um, you know, clear, uh, staying away from all the negative stuff, Exercise regularly. The resources are there online, and eat as healthy as possible. I'd say it's the number one recommendation. All right, thanks for having me on, guys.
0: So that was Freddie. Where, where? What's your what's your kind of routine? If you're if you're inside for a day, what do you, what do you do? Is you one thousand press ups a day, man, or or just eat the Oreos and pray to the gods?
1: So far, I've been of the latter camp, but I feel pretty <laughs> restless. I'm feeling a little bit like a cheetah trapped in a very small transportation cage. Um, And I I actually went to pick up from Argos today. How's that for old school delivery solutions? Some hand weights and felt like carrying the hand weights back was actually quite an adequate workout in themselves. I mean, even just that, I felt like I got a good workout. So the hand weights have already paid themselves. So I'm thinking... I'm going to look to get into some more home workout approaches. But I normally kind of thrive off the energy of a group class. I love those. And it is going to be hard to recreate that. I know that some gyms are doing live streams and we're going to come to that later. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah, no, we will. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in and say, yeah, Freddie does a lot of those as well. So yeah, j- jump on one of those where and uh, yeah, enjoy it.
1: Perfect. Well, that's that's me solved. Freddie and the Sorted. handwakes have got me. That was a quick one to clear up.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. Should we? Uh, yeah. Well, you you lead the way. Where with the next uh, with the next section? Do you want to talk about a little bit of uh, Quarren dream and other such things?
1: Yeah. So we were just saying about some of the live streaming entertainment options out there. There have been a whole host of famous musicians giving live gigs, including Chris Martin, John Legend, all sorts of big names stepping up to try and spread some of that good thing and keep people entertained while they're in this kind of enforced non-party lock-in. And so we've got another feature which we're starting today, which we're calling Living the Quarren Dream. And it's for how you're turning being quarantined or stuck at home, even if you're not officially quarantined, from a nightmare into a dream. And this term was actually coined by my friend Andy, who's been doing just that today. So I'm going to hand over to him to leave him to explain to you exactly how he managed to make today a divine day, despite
3: effectively being imprisoned i'm uh hashtag living the Quarren dream here uh on the Earl's court road my uh my my little temporary prison um and uh had a slightly unusual one today uh, to punctuate my corona crisis um by uh, by by having a ballet class by by zoom uh which um is the 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 best zoom meeting i've had of my career so far. My um, friend Hubert, the South African, joined me. He was positioned on the kitchen sink where the drying rack usually is uh, by way of the computer um, and uh, and gently uh, whispering instructions to me in his South African accent. Um, okay, ala second, okay, taking the heel first, then the balls, then the toe, Tondu now coming back. Okay, take the bar. I mean the kitchen sink, take the sink, uh okay, now you can let go there of the work top. Um we uh We had a few comments made about the cleanliness or lack thereof um, of the of the work surface, and I have to say that uh, if there's anything, putting some ballet shoes on and trying to do some tondus on the kitchen floor, let you know how sticky it is um So this is my my beginning ballet career. Uh, I'm not letting uh, the COVID crisis get in the way. Uh, And I'm continuing to live my quaint dream, living my best life here. Uh, Sending all of the love. So yeah, there, there we have it. I really didn't
1: expect that at any time in the near future I'd be hearing of live ballet classes in people's kitchens. That sounds like it's been autumn randomly generated by some strange website but actually completely inspired
0: <laughs> yeah very bizarre and very good well i was good i was just gonna say to you where we obviously only see like oh it's great that people are putting out positive stuff about how they're spending this time cooped up inside but we are on about day two aren't we Day three of people being yeah. kicked up inside, really. I mean, I know it's been phased in over the last week, and and you're kind of, you, you're probably on social media and stuff, everyone's seeing that 1% of the good times and the, the kind of laughter of, of what we could do and trying to be positive, and that's great. But um, yeah, I, I just wanted to to make reference to the fact that there's an awful lot, like presumably, but be, like behind that layer. And we talked about it a lot yesterday about uh, you know your friend Zander giving some great advice. Do go back and listen to episode one, guys, the pilot episode about just uh, you know the, the the actual realities of living and working in a confined space at home and how to make that really good. Because I think it's it's important not to overglamorise like. I don't think anyone wants to be cooped up in home at home. They're just trying to make the best out of a bad situation, right? It's it's not it's not a long term solution.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I saw a post the other day of somebody sort of like hashtag quarantined in their New York penthouse apartment, kind of sat there doing a home yoga class, and I think that's obviously one extreme, isn't it? But like you say. As much as with social media, people are going to try and like dress this up. I think we should celebrate the ways we can bring enjoyment into that. But yeah, also be aware that it's it's not all going to be easy. And especially the people who are going to face the longest quarantines at home are probably mm-hmm. the people who are least able to do these things that can keep them entertained, who have the least exercise to technology or. To be able to exercise at home, right? The groups who are going to face the longest term of staying indoors from what it's looking like at the moment. So, yeah, I, I think it's a balance, isn't it? But it's definitely good to see that already people are adjusting to this situation to try to use technology in their own little ways for something which is good. And I I think that would be one small triumph of this time is if you, as you can already see, maybe on a broader scale, something like social media or like our phones, like you were saying with how touched you were with messages today, can become a bit more of a positive thing again. There's been so much press and we all experience it in our day-to-day lives of how negative these things can be. But it really feels like if we can, manage to try to use them in the right way to reach out to people to connect with each other and to be able to do more of the things more together that we enjoy then technology could be if not quite an ace up our sleeve in facing this certainly a helping hand in what's going to be sure yeah a really prolonged and testing period it's looking more and more like that every day isn't it
0: it, yeah. And it is crazy. Like my sister's been working from home for the last few days and each day she sends a message just saying working like lessons from working from home. And they're gradually, you know, you eat more food, you do like, and it's it's all really obvious stuff that if you're cooped inside. But uh, yeah, I think we're, we're dealing in days at the moment. And I think it's going to be harder to retain that positivity when we're dealing in weeks or dealing in months. So uh, yeah, listen, you got to start strong and everyone's got to start really positive and we'll come to come to what it's going to the practicalities of what it's going to be like uh if we are all inside for weeks and months which even as i say that it just feels ridiculous after two generations of complete freedom but uh that that is where we are with this where sometimes i i I can't it is still surreal
1: yeah we we almost need we were saying yesterday weren't we but it almost feels like we're entering a different era or some kind of parallel time zone wherever we are in the world with this time and what's happening i think we almost need a different unit of time don't we (laughs) because like every day it's like oh wow this is gonna last days oh it could last weeks it could last months I i think we need a unit of time to help us manage that a bit better because however they try and dress it up you know i've heard them try to say oh well it's 12 weeks for the most vulnerable as if that sounds less than three months. But I think, look, whatever fancy term we could come up with and how we might try to adjust our clocks to measure that, really all any one of us can do, especially right now, is is take it day by day, really, isn't it? And it's been interesting to see some more of the stories around the world that are picking up from it exactly where you're coming from actually Dave of like well how can we get this balance between the practical and the positive right mm. and, and what's actually happening not ignoring that situation but trying to do that in a way that is going to keep spirits up and keep people ticking over for what's definitely going to be a marathon, not a sprint. And I think one of the finest examples I've seen from around the world of this today comes to us from India, and more specifically Kerala, where the local police force put out this video of them doing a hand-washing dance that has gone viral. So it's kind of them in their police uniforms with their masks and hats on, which is actually quite a fetching look. I think more of a fashion statement than anything else, almost that particular one. But it's them doing this dance, all perfectly in sync. The choreography on this is absolutely top-notch. Them doing this dance, which illustrates exactly how you should wash your hands. Imagine, if you will... Gangnam style meets heads, shoulders, knees, and toes. And that is kind of the genre of dancing that they're channeling here. But yeah, I think it's good to see some positivity put on top of practical advice. And it's really interesting to see how different places around the world are trying to manage that. But Good on the Kerala no, of course, I've police seen, department for spreading Yeah, it. I've
0: seen the video of the two Italians with kind of operatic in the background, uh, you know, washing their hands in time with the music. But what, when they actually do that, you think, Jesus, is that actually how you're supposed to wash your hands? Like, it's, it's a long old process where you're washing each individual finger, which no one can lie to me and tell me they did that before when they quote-unquote washed their hands. Like, did any could anyone say they washed each individual finger twice? I mean, it just, it just didn't happen. So, yeah, we're, we're all learning.
1: Yeah, we we've definitely moved on from the rinse and run, haven't <laughs> yeah. we? Which I think is the most flattering description of my previous hand washing technique. Really, I you know the other day when I'd actually been out and about and came back and really was like getting very serious about that, I went for the forehand washing and. It really felt afterwards. I looked down and half expected my hands not to be there. That's how (laughs) intensive it is. I I thought my hands might've turned into soap by that stage. But yeah, it's certainly an eye opener, isn't it? Compared to what we did before. And it seems like the gap that is existing in people's lives now that we can't go and enjoy a lot of the common things that people enjoy all over the world, right? Particularly like music and entertainment, is being filled one way or another, either online or in the confines of this quarantine. Now, probably the sort of... If you had to pick a defining snapshot of the experience of the past week so far, those viral videos of Italians singing from their balconies, serenading each other from their balconies in a kind of free impromptu Romeo and Juliet-inspired open-air concert has really probably been it. I don't know about for you, Dave, but for me, that's probably been, been like the iconic yeah. snapshot of people on the ground experiencing this and trying to keep their spirits up through it.
0: No, but most certainly, yeah. I, w- I wanted to check in with you as well, uh, where we talked about German Big Brother yesterday. And I just wondered if you could could give us like an update on that, because it is just the most surreal thing that it's a play within a play. You've got people that have voluntarily chosen to go into quarantine uh, in the form of a reality television program inside. And then they've been told that when they come out, they will also be in involuntary quarantine. Like, it's just utterly surreal. Like, I wondered if you could just fill us in and and tell us how that's all uh, panning out.
1: Yeah absolutely so I, I watched the clip today I can't say that my German is much beyond a danker and a bitter on a good day. The coronavirus is the, is the
0: same in every language so you're right.
1: This is true the, the international language of it, this common time and so I watched some of the clip from that show and they had it, it was all quite strange even compared how strange you'd expect it to be. They had kind of the show producers in a booth in one end addressing the contestants. And what was the weirdest thing about it was in wondering, well, how on earth are they going to get this thing across? Actually, no matter how hard they tried with news footage and saying, look, this is what's happening and how serious it is, it was very hard for them to get these people to grasp the severity of what was going on. You know, it really made me realise we're all doing that kind of moment by moment and slowly we're getting up to speed with it. But seeing people who had no conception of that, who had gone in o- over a month ago before it really picked up in Europe, seeing them trying to get their heads around and actually, despite the best prodding by the producers, being almost unable yeah. to do that made you and- sort of fully appreciate quite the scale of it and how how inconceivable it is
0: and i I think everyone's probably had their own but depending on what was happening in your life the last you know i'm just really speaking about um britain at the moment because every country's kind of had their different scale of when it's happened to them but in britain definitely and i only got back a few days ago but even when i got back uh, it was only in the last two or three days that i have and maybe even yesterday that i really grasped the severity of it and it is—it's so difficult to comprehend, and you do need to digest it. And I, I think there's a lot of people that are still a bit blasé, maybe, uh, we, which is fine. Like everyone comes to it at a different level. But um, I mean, I, like this podcast will hopefully bring a bit of well-meaning relief and stuff. But you can't get away, James, from the fact that today in Italy, 475 people died. And uh, you know, I sent you that WhatsApp just just pre-pods and um, you know there's lots of hard news outlets that will fill you on on this way better than we ever could but I, I just did see that statistic and just think that is utterly terrifying that's you know that's grandmothers and fathers and brothers and, and all sorts so yeah it's um, the severity of it is it is real and yeah it's uh, what can you say
1: yeah it is really as much as we try I I'm not sure we can get our heads around it right now, you know. So as much as the reality of it is coming home a little bit, day by day, you're, you're right. The in-person impact of that and what everyone's going through it in their own ways, but particularly those worst affected, it's just, yeah, yeah it's- beyond conception, really. And, and that's weirdly the thing that came out of this Big Brother thing. It, it was almost anticlimactic, seeing them be told this news because they, they almost couldn't get their heads around it. And it makes you realize, I think we need to be aware of that. It's like how much of a mental toll it must be taking on all of us, you know, because we're at a stage where we kind of are getting up to speed with, to some degree, the severity of what's going on. And we've done that over a very short time frame of not many days you know it's barely been a week in London I feel since it's all started really feeling serious and I I think we just all need to kind of take a deep breath and realize like wow this is saying that if you tell people who don't know that it's going on they actually can't get their heads around and we're kind of getting our heads around it but that that is taking a lot out of us even if we're not the worst affected and And we need to really bear that in mind, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it it kind of, yesterday we uh, had a note from my friend, Giorgio, who lives in the south of Italy. And it kind of, even though this is a a London-based podcast and we'll talk about things in London and the UK... Uh, you know, it's always important to, to zoom out and see this is a global issue, which is exactly what it is. So, with that in mind, for the global update today, we've got my man Joel Richards in Argentina. Now, Joel is a proper journalist, boots on the ground journalist. He's lived in South America for the last decade and he's traveled all around the continent. Uh, covering all the biggest stories on the continent during that time frame. Uh, he's not someone that, you know, a news outlet has just flown in for three days to to, to report on a story. Joel's been there. He's seen it. And this is I um, really, you know, there's, I think there's four or five minutes of Joel speaking here, but I implore you not to not to skip through it, because it is if you just want a five minute overview of what's going on in Latin America or South America right now, uh, then Joel is he's the man to give it to you. So um, Joel Richards.
4: Well, Argentina and neighbouring countries, Chile and Uruguay, are still very far from the stage of this pandemic that we've seen, obviously in China, but also in particularly in uh, Western Europe. The number of cases and the number of deaths is very low uh, compared to elsewhere. In Chile, the number is around 200. In Argentina, it's lower than that. Uh, But at the same time, countries here are taking uh, similar measures. So the borders have been closed for two weeks. Schools, universities have all been closed. Elderly have been asked to stay at home. Pregnant women have been given leave to be able to stay at home. And it's just been announced as well on Tuesday afternoon that there'll be no domestic flights as of Friday. In Argentina, there is a bank holiday coming up. So long distance buses will also be cancelled. The idea, obviously, to try and reduce the amount of traffic and the volume of traffic in the country so certainly here in Argentina and I said neighboring countries as well what they're trying to do is just avoid reaching the stage where so many people um, are affected so there is the question about respecting quarantine and uh, whether or not people stay at home as they are obliged to. And it is indeed a criminal offence if people coming from infected areas then break that quarantine. There's a case that has really hammered this home. It's a fitness instructor uh, who lives in an apartment block who travelled and was meant to be at home, stay at home for two weeks. The security guard of the building told him from the outset you've got to stay at home. And then when the fitness instructor uh, went to leave and the guard said, you should be staying at home, the fitness coach uh, then assaulted this security guard. This was all caught on camera. It obviously went uh, spread very quickly on social media. And even the president, Alberto Fernandez, spoke about this. So, so there is very much the debate about people's responsibility. But at because at the moment uh, the situation is more or less under control but of course that is one of the issues what happens if it does spread Uh, and there are a couple of big concerns for the two countries here in the southern cone argentina and chile in the case of argentina this is a country that's been in deep recession for two years and in the austerity measures that were introduced by the previous government that the health ministry lost its status as a ministry it was dropped down to a secretary uh, under the auspice of the Social Development Ministry. So clearly it lost a lot of budget and it lost uh, the the institutional importance that it has. So when we see scenes and when we hear stories coming from Spain, Italy and, and the UK where hospitals are unable to cope with the, the sheer number of people and the number of people who need care in intensive care units, the question then is how does a country with far less economic resources such as Argentina, uh, a country that has seen money being diverted away from the health system, how will this country deal with that if coronavirus continues to expand as, um, as in the same pattern or the same trend that we've seen elsewhere? Then if you look across the Andes and Chile, there. The government has said that they're expecting this to last for about 12 weeks. So far they have 200 cases, but of course, Chile has been in the news for the widespread protests that are now in its fifth month. And the protests are continuing to this day. Just uh, last, uh, just about eight days, nine days ago or so, for International Women's Day, there were more than two million people demonstrating. And there are still daily protests which bring together anywhere between a few hundred or a few thousand people or even more. So these protests were uh, are about social and economic inequality and the the quality and the cost of health provision is also one of the key issues under debate and the outcome of these protests has been for a historic and very important referendum at the end of April over whether or not to rewrite the national constitution. So now of course the question is whether or not that vote will go ahead. It seems absolutely impossible for that to happen but Chile is at is a moment of great instability when we look at the protests and we look at the effects the protests have had on, on the country, uh, economically in particular, what happens now with coronavirus. So while these countries in at the bottom of South America, the southern cone, are perhaps still not at a critical phase, they are still uh, doing everything in their power to reduce the spread of the virus, it remains to be seen, of course, how effective those measures are.
0: Yeah, that was Joel uh, James. Well, obviously, Latin America statistically hasn't uh, hasn't had the the impact yet uh, that Asia and Europe has, and, and we hope it we hope it stays like that, mate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the weirder side of this is the way everyone's experiencing it in staggered, different ways. And even though right now you'd say, well, look, Europe is being the hardest hit by it right at this moment it feels like but you look at somewhere like South America and just like we got a feeling of there even though they yet so far haven't been hit so hard by it you see just quite how intensely people are being affected even there and on the flip side of that I've been working with a few people who are now back in Hong Kong and in places like that, they're sort of saying, oh, there's light on the other side of the tunnel. We're coming out the other side of it now. So it's it's really strange, isn't it? And I think one of the, the things I got out of that overview was seeing that, like, although everyone's experience of this is different around the world and at different stages and not necessarily on the same level in terms of severity, there's an intensity that... Everyone is experiencing whatever the stats about their country are saying right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's like it's everyone's reading the same book, but we're all we're all on different chapters, really, aren't we? And it's very difficult. No, and, but and even though those chapters are open for everyone to see around the world, you can't. I mean, you can blame countries for not looking ahead or looking retrospectively, even at other other countries previously. But it's really difficult not just to get sucked into your moment, isn't it? Your individual chapter. And this is what's happening here and here and now. But yeah, it's like the world is every country will have their own version of this. Uh, but a lot of the patterns are going to look similar. And um, I guess maybe that's comfort that we can see what's uh, we can see what was behind us and we can. We can see what is potentially, as you, you mentioned about China, and you know, I know that's four months or something after their first uh, case. So there's there's uh, there's a little way to go yet, but at least there is. You at least we can see, we can project into the future and see that light a little bit. Absolutely,
1: and yeah, I guess it's a book that everyone is hoping is going to have some degree of happy ending, you know, and, and hopefully places like China they're coming Both, out of yeah. it, for, at least for the time being sort of feel like that that could be a bit more the case than it feels to us right now somewhere like london
0: yeah we're in the initial stages aren't we i suppose but yeah no a a happy ending or just you know some kind of ending i guess uh yeah it, it, it will happen i'm sure um mate so why don't we finish off with a bit of coronavirus kindness um Yeah, there's been some really nice, some good stories, uh, some fun stories, some sad stories, of course, regarding coronavirus. Uh, But there's also been a lot of kindness. So, uh, yeah, you've seen a couple of things that have taken your interest this week. Yeah,
1: absolutely. This is our daily roundup to kind of end on a bit of a warmer note than some of the things that have been discussed. Um, We're looking today... Uh, A couple from the UK, but the first one is another great example. We had this yesterday, didn't we, with the nightclub that is turning into a food distribution centre, 338. And today we're seeing similar ingenuity with the Brewdog Beer Distillery where they're turning some of their operation to make hand steriliser. So they're going from drinking alcohol to hand alcohol, if you will. And they're going to be giving this away completely free of charge to those most in need. And they're not the only ones either. There are also various gin distilleries in Scotland which are coming forward and turning their operations over to making hand sanitizer, which is in really short supply. Even dawn raids on pharmacies are are struggling to turn that up for people now. So they're trying to make that available and selling it Uh, the cost price including the duty on the alcohol to those who most need that so it's amazing to see like some of the businesses that you might think would be hardest hit by this flipping that negativity on its head and trying to turn it into something positive trying to offer something that that they can contribute to this effort
4: Uh,
0: yeah i think just the flexibility of Companies and individuals is going to be really important in the next few months. So it's, uh, yeah, that's a feel-good story for sure. Uh, I just wanted to talk. I know this isn't directly related to coronavirus kindness, but just to tie up a loose end from yesterday, or perhaps open up a whole uh, a whole new can of worms. I was talking yesterday where about why the government and the NHS weren't perhaps uh, you know calling people up and asking people to to step up and help out. And I did see the NHS. I don't know whether you saw this today. Have asked for any retired Healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, to to make themselves available again, and I think that's that's obviously the logical first step. And I imagine there'll be two or three steps after that. And uh, yeah, it's not too far away, mate, from you and I uh, getting on the getting on the gloves and going on the front line and helping out. I don't yeah, think.
1: getting with scrubs on. what well, it seems like one step in that direction, doesn't it? And I think I I tended to agree with you yesterday that it seems like people who want to help and can help should help when we, when we need people i guess the only balance is i was speaking to a friend of mine who's actually a doctor and she said sure. that given that they've already drafted in loads of student doctors to help them on sure. the front line she said to be honest although it's good to have more people they actually really just get in the way because they don't know what they're doing. They need so much directing that even with the best intention...
0: can imagine. They they
1: actually just sort of slow you down as you're trying to do what you're doing as someone who's experienced in that job. So I guess that's a management issue, isn't it? And it's something... That's why it makes sense for people who have experience of being the first called upon. But yeah, your course, your course idea, I guess... Junior doctors as well aren't practically prepared for this exact circumstance. If you could kind of drill people in exactly what was required to get on the front lines and really make a difference in even the simplest way, then I'm all for that for sure. I think it's just the practicalities, isn't it?
0: Yeah, no, I completely get it. You'd end up being more of a hindrance than a help. I like could just guess there's like a disconnect, isn't there, between so many people at home making videos of themselves, doing silly things, and then we hear, you know, there's like, there's also like a crisis where apparently we don't have, well, we don't obviously have the beds, and, and potentially maybe at the moment it's okay, but down the line we might not have the staff. So I guess it's just that kind of disconnect, which is, is hard to comprehend, isn't it? You know, millions of people stuck at home uh, wondering if they should... Uh, you know learn Japanese and also we're you know we're hearing about the absolute you know sh- people just work in 24 hours shifts don't exist anymore that kind of thing so I don't know we will um, we'll wait and see yeah how that one yeah it's
1: what I mean it's one of the more obvious ironies of the whole thing isn't it that like so many people have no job all of a sudden no work no income yeah. and then other people in certain trades are absolutely chock Straight, a block. Yeah. Like, not just if you had HS, like, suddenly, if you're a delivery driver, they're relaxing the rules on overworking drivers to try and meet the demand. And it mm. seems like. Obviously trading and the practicalities of that, yeah, there's gotta be some catch-up with the timing of that. But but it does seem kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? But some people have got too much work and other people have no work. And if this is gonna continue for as long as it looks like it really very well might, surely there's time to to be gang people who are out of work into some of those jobs. That are useful and in demand right now, and spreading that workload and that work around a bit more. That seems like one of the things that I hope we'll solve once the time frame and the picture becomes a little bit clearer than it is right now.
0: Am I going to be? Am I going to be bringing you Deliveroo next week? <laughs> where is that? Is that? Is that where That's we're going? what we're Have you had for. a Deliveroo yet? <laughs> Have you had a Deliveroo yet in the coronavirus world? Because they've got an option now, obviously, where they just leave it. And you just open your door and collect it, which is, um, yeah, which is, I mean, amazing. Because, you know, the concept of deliver originally, you'd think, Jesus, how lazy can people be that you can't be bothered to cook? You just get the food. And now it's like this this necessity where there's not even a human there. You just pay digitally and food just pops up. So, yeah, I haven't had my first uh, post-coronavirus uh, delivery, but it's coming soon, no doubt. Inbound. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I'll also have to indulge soon. And I think it might have to be a weird one, actually. You know, it, you sort of start craving some quite weird things. It, it, I can already see that even in the early stages of... of...
0: Well, it won't be pasta. It won't be pasta where, because we know we know you've got plenty uh, of that. This
1: mix. is true, yeah. If anyone wants a pasta <laughs> delivery, then don't go to delivery, come to me. Hoarding.
0: <laughs> All right, I think that just about wraps it up. Um... Yeah, well, anything else you want to add, mate, or will we uh, chat again tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I think that that really is is it for today. Obviously, we should just touch on the fact that the the schools are closing on Friday in the UK, which is going to throw up all manner of problems for parents, for lots of teachers. So, so it's like it's a, it's a bit of a game of dominoes, isn't it? At the moment, it certainly feels like that on the economic side that. Every day, a a new domino seems to be knocked and it doesn't feel like long before there's going to be a real domino train and and there's going to be almost nothing left untouched. It's feeling like a matter of days in London, isn't it? It
0: it really is. Like The reason we decided to do this podcast daily is, is, uh, well, one, because I got the hours to kill, but also because... Uh, yeah it isn't it is something that is just changing so quickly that each like you said with Boris Johnson's address every day there is a different announcement there's a different uh there's a different effect and and, and these all really massive things you know imagine imagine where on any other day of the year you know before coronavirus if Boris Johnson's closing the schools it's like that just the biggest news story for six months isn't it so it's you know so but on this it, today it didn't even feel like I mean I don't have children, but I did text a couple of people today that, that do have kids just saying like, oh, how does this affect you? You're all right. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's I mean, it's absolutely huge in its own right. But it's been it's just been sucked into this tornado of news, hasn't it? This should be like an unbelievable story. Like kids are being told not to go to school, but it's uh, it's just it's just another 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 thing. Yeah,
1: that's the reality of the situation right now, isn't it? But. That- Exactly like that, this would be like the biggest news story of all year and and it's barely worth tuning in for compared to the level of what's going on. It just puts things in perspective, doesn't it?
0: Definitely, mate. Here's where we, uh, if we'd have had the weeks to organise this and not the hours that we did yesterday, here's where we'd have a nice jingle to wrap up the podcast. Where, but, but alas, we are not, we're not at that point yet. Um, I sent a couple of messages around today. I think our man Pedro's on it, so we'll, uh, we'll see if we can conjure that up tomorrow. But for now, uh, yeah, tune in tomorrow, guys, and uh, come with us as we, we try and strike a nice tone and balance, hopefully, in this podcast of the London Coronavirus Podcast.